Well, welcome. Um, you've been uh, told you've been told who I am already, so I don't need to go all over that again. Uh, but I do have my family with me today. So my wife Caroline and two gorgeous daughters Lydia and uh, and Gabby. And um, Steve got a little bit of a story about where where we came from in coming to to Jubilee Solihull about eighteen months ago. And you can't blame me; you can blame Lydia and Gabby because they told us we had to come here. So <laughs> they are they are one of the reasons, but quite a big reason that we're um, we're here. So um, we're carrying on our series of the I Am Sayings of Jesus, and I want to introduce you to this this guy here. Some of you will be familiar with who who he is. If you don't know who this this character is, can you put your hand up? If you don't know who this, oh wow, okay, quite surprising. Um, I was maybe thinking the younger people maybe wouldn't know who he is, but this is a guy called Jimmy Cricket, and he's a Irish comedian. And back in back in the day, so before uh, celebrities on a Saturday night used to come up and skate or dance or eat different parts of a body of an animal's anatomy on a Saturday night's television, we used to have a celebrity or Comedians come on the TV and do and do programs, and this is one of those um, characters. And his catchphrase, and I won't do it in the Irish accent because all my all my accents sound Welsh, so I won't do that. This is an Irish guy, but he used to lean forward after telling a joke and he said, "There's more. Come here. There's more." And that's kind of the title of today's preach. There's more. And we've, had, we've enjoyed a great time already, worshipping God, hearing from God, encountering God, uh, celebrating his goodness, celebrating family, celebrating children. But there's more. There is more. There's with God. There is always more. And um, we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus said today. And sometimes when Jesus said things, you don't quite understand, first off, what what Jesus is actually talking about. And I, I, can, I can identify with Jesus there. Because when I see things or read things, I don't always really get the point. A couple of examples. So a couple of weeks ago, um, we had a family holiday down um, in Bournemouth. And, and I wanted a coffee. So we're wandering around Bournemouth Centre. And, and I saw um, the, the, blue, um, the blue sign for a Costa coffee. And so, uh, so purple, purpley sign for the Costa, the Costa coffee. So I was oh, desperate for a coffee. So I went in, ordered the coffee, gave him a bank card, gave him a Costa um, reward card, and said, "Sorry, we don't take that in Pret a Manger." <laughs> and so, so when I went out, I looked at the sign. Obviously, I wanted to check: is this, you know, this is a Costa? The signs there. And the colour was the same, but the sign was different. And I, in, my, in my mind, I saw Costa, but actually it was Pret-a-Manger. And I do that quite, quite often. A few years ago, I, was going, when I, I used to go for an eye test. I used to go to Vision Express. And I thought, I must go and get an eye test booked. So I, I was in, in town, walked into the um, opticians, stood there waiting for something to say. I thought, I'm in Specsavers. And I'd walked into the wrong opticians. 
So rather than turning around and going to Vision Express, I actually made a point with Specsavers, and I've been to Specsavers since that, that, that occasion, because I, my, my mind was saying this is Vision Express, but reality was I was in Specsavers, and yes, I should have gone to Specsavers, which I, which, which I did. But probably the biggest mistake that I made, it gets worse. Probably the biggest mistake that I made was when I was um, about 10 or 11 uh, years old, um, we went on a school trip, um, and this is before airplanes were invented, so we had a coach trip down to, down to Spain, and um, when, you, yeah, when you're 10 or 11, you want to take something back to remind you of your holiday. This is my first time away from my family, and also in a foreign country, so I want to take something back just to remind me of, 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 of my time, so I brought a souvenir t-shirt. And I thought, I'm going to wait, I'm going to save for that souvenir t-shirt for the journey, the journey home so that when I arrive back and step off the coach, my parents will see this wonderful um, Spanish t-shirt that I brought with Spanish language on. So I put this t-shirt on as we came, as we came home and we, we, the coach arrived back at the school, stepped off the coach and only the t-shirt that was the, uh, the Coca-Cola symbol. And under the, under the sign, it said, enjoy cocaine. <laughs> so, so I thought cocaine was Spanish for Coca-Cola. So, so anyway, needless to say, I didn't keep the T-shirt. It didn't last me. It, didn't, it wasn't mine for much longer. It was soon disposed of quickly. But this is just me, so sometimes I see things or read things and see something completely different to what is actually meant. And there's many occasions, and we're going to look at one of those occasions today, when Jesus said things and on first glance the disciples got completely the wrong end of the stick of what Jesus was talking about. So just to set the, the scene, we're going to read some scripture just in a moment. But I'm going to set the scene first because it's a quite a long passage we're looking at. So we're only going to read, read, it, read a chunk of it. And to set the scene, Jesus was with his disciples. And um, so originally Jesus was in Jerusalem. They'd been to a festival there and done some, done some meetings there. And then some people tried to, attempted to kill Jesus. So Jesus left Jerusalem with his disciples and went to a place called Bethany which was several miles outside of Jerusalem. And Jesus was there with his, with his disciples, baptizing people, probably raising the dead and changing water into wine and all the stuff that Jesus did. And somebody came as a, as a message to Jesus. And Jesus, uh, the, the messenger said, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is really, really ill. You need to come now. He's really ill. He, he may not survive. We need you to come now back to Bethany uh, where Actually, two, two, two Bethany. So there's Bethany, which was a couple of miles from Jerusalem, where Lazarus was. And there was another Bethany, miles away, where Jesus was. So they went to where Jesus was. And they said to Jesus, you need to come back and help us because Lazarus is really sick. Now, our natural response when somebody is really ill is you drop everything and you go, don't you? But Jesus was like, relax. Relax, guys. Lazarus isn't going to die. This isn't going to end in death. But actually, through this, you're going to see something of heaven revealed. Now, that's my paraphrase. What Jesus actually said was, this sickness isn't going to end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. 
Who knows that Jesus doesn't always answer the prayers that you ask or the demands that you put before him? He doesn't always do that. And I think if Jesus did do that for me, I'd be in a room of thousands of people with my friends and family all worshipping God together. I'd also be in a job that has got no stress, no targets, but the same, if not more, pay. I'd also be driving a Range Rover Vogue in black. And I'd also have a six-pack rather than a beer belly. (laughs) So our prayers don't always get answered the way that we initially set out. And this is one of those those occasions. This was like a prayer that the family of Lazarus said to Jesus. Jesus, come and help us. Jesus' reaction was, relax. He didn't say no. He just says, not at the moment. The word glory, when Jesus said... um, it's for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. Sometimes the word glory is one of those, those words that is just like, seems to be, we kind of know what it is, but don't know what it is. Does that make sense? We kind of get an idea, but we don't, we, we can't really pin it, pin it down. If I was to say, this is, okay, this, this is just a very simple um, thing. If I was to say that glory is something revealed to you, which causes you to praise and worship, that just helps us to think Actually, what was Jesus saying? He says, you're going to see something glorious to come that is going to cause you to praise and worship even more than me just coming and making Lazarus better. Now, you're going to see something of what I do and what I say that is more glorious, that is going to cause you to praise God more than just me coming to help you get Lazarus better. So Jesus delayed going back to to Lazarus. And then part in the, in the, the build-up to, to what we, we're going we're to we're look at, Jesus then says to the, to the disciples after a couple of days, right, time's up, we're going to go to Lazarus now. He's, 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 he's sleeping. Lazarus is, is asleep, and we're going to go and wake, wake him up. The disciples were like, well, if he's sleeping, then you know, sleep is good if you're poorly. Um, so let Lazarus sleep. And, but no, Jesus, Jesus would like, no, I don't mean he's sleeping as he's sleeping. He's dead. All right. To be blunt and cut to the thrust of it, actually, Lazarus is now dead. I reckon if Monty Python wrote a sketch, he would have some fun with this one. Look, he's dead. All right. He's deceased. He's no more. He's left. He's thrown off his mortal coil or whatever the 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 parrot um, sketch goes. So Jesus said, "Okay, this was one of those occasions where they didn't understand what Jesus was saying." But they upped and they went. They got back to, to Bethany, the town where, uh, where Lazarus was. Jesus went to the tomb where Lazarus was. And Jesus said to, um, to the people there, at Lazarus, so Lazarus was now in the tomb, stone rolled over the tomb. And Jesus says to, uh, to the people, right, roll away the stone. And the people were like, Jesus, you know he's been in there for four days. This tomb is going to smell worse than the boys' tent at New Day come Friday. <laughs> Right. This is these, this is going to be a bit stinky. Yeah, this is this there's some there's some rotting going on in there. Are you sure you want us to open the tomb? Jesus was like, no, open the tomb. And they open the tomb, and Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come out. Now, my in my my mind, I can imagine Lazarus uh, wrapped up in his um, you know, uh, shroud, and then wraps of. Thing. So he either came out like this, 
Or he came out like a zombie off the Scooby-Doo, like this. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. That's just how my mind works. He was, he was dead. He was wrapped up. And then he was maybe say, look, I can't breathe in here. Can you get this off me? Anyway, he raises Jesus, Lazarus from the dead. Now, sandwiched in the middle of this occasion where Jesus goes to Bethany after a couple of days and raising Lazarus from the dead, there's an encounter which Jesus has with Martha and Mary, who are Lazarus's sisters, that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at and spend the rest of our time looking at together. So if you have a, have a Bible, we're going to look uh, from John chapter 11. The words will also come up on the screen, so um, if, you don't, if you haven't got the Bible, that's, that's fine. You can follow on the screen. Um, John chapter 11 and verse 17. So this is where Jesus has come um, to, to Bethany, to, to Lazarus, uh, Lazarus's village before he raises him from the dead. So it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was, uh, was, was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at the other home. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's a genuine question, isn't it? It's a genuine thing, thing to say. I think I'd have been thinking the same. Jesus, I thought you helped people. Jesus arrived at the, the village, and the first thing that, Laz, that Martha says to, to Jesus was, Jesus, if you'd have been here, what I asked for would have happened. It's a genuine question. It's a genuine concern that, that, that Martha had. And then she says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, I'm sure at this, at this funeral... Many people have said to Martha and to Mary and to the family, do you know what? Lazarus is going to rise again. There's going to be a time, some point in the future, where Lazarus is going to rise again. So this was something, This what Jesus said to her wasn't anything new. She probably heard it many, many times. But what she heard next was something new. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Cue the East Enders theme tune. What an amazing thing to say. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, I can imagine when Jesus was about to say those, those few words that all of heaven lent in. Because Jesus wasn't just saying words. Jesus was going to declare something of who he was. So heaven leans in as Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those words that Jesus said are packed with hope for us. They're packed with a revelation of who Jesus was, not just for the people in, that Jesus was talking to there, but also brings us hope, brings us, um, brings us something that we can take from this today in 2018. So let's just work through this, the, these few words that Jesus said. Let's start with I am. Steve kicked off the, the series a few, a few weeks ago, um, looking at an occasion where Moses, back in the Old Testament, had an encounter with God. 
And Moses was going to, was being sent back to the Israelite people. And Moses said to God, look, what, who, who are you? Who do I tell these people that you are? And God said to Moses, tell him I am who I am. This was a name of God that was being given to Moses to take back to the Israelites. So when Jesus said, I am, he wasn't just simply saying something about himself. That, that I am was absolutely packed with, with meaning. What he was saying that the eternal God, the creator of the whole universe, was being revealed in Jesus. You know, to Moses... God was revealed as a name. To us, God is revealed in a man, Jesus. So sometimes people, people say, say to me, how do you know that there's a God? Prove that there's a God. Simple. Look at Jesus. Because Jesus, in those words, in I am, and many other things that Jesus was saying, said over his life here, he was saying, I am God. God, the creator of the universe, is being revealed in me. I am God. I am the name of God. Jesus was taken upon himself. Again, how do you get our mind around that? I gave it a little bit, a little bit of thought. And the best thing I can come up with, if you can put the next, the next slide up, please, uh, Jeremy. Most people will know who this guy is, uh, Richard, Richard Branson, um, one of the one of Britain's probably most popular uh, business business people. And <clears throat> Rich, Richard Branson um, started his first business in 1970 um, doing a, um, a postal um, delivery service for records. He then opened his first Virgin Megastore in 1972. Who remembers the Virgin Megastores? I just about, when they're about to close. But in 1972, he opened his first record store. Over the years, Richard Branson has built a, a, um, a business called the Virgin Group, which includes trains, airlines, banking, healthcare, space travel. Oh, it's about, there's about 400 businesses that Richard Branson has kind of acquired and built up over the years with the, the, Virgin, the, uh, the Virgin Group. Now, if Richard, Richard Branson was to come out and say, I am Virgin Group, we can kind of get a little bit of an idea about what he means. Because without, this, without his brains, without his entrepreneurial skills, without his um, people skills and managing people, the Virgin Group as a business, a group of business, may not be or probably won't be as successful as what it is now. So if he was to come out and say, I am Virgin Group, we kind of understand what he would be saying because he, he, he is. He started it. He's input it. He, he, this guy lives it. Now, in a very, it's not a perfect um, illustration because when Jesus says, I am, he's saying, I'm the embodiment of Everything that is of God. I am God in the body. I am God in the, the body. So let's look at the next thing what Jesus said. I am, and he says, the resurrection. You know, when, 
when Jesus said, um, and we, we mentioned this, this before, Jesus said to, um, to Martha and to, to Mary and to us, look, yeah, Lazarus is going to rise again. He will rise again. Because Mar- Martha and Mary and the Jews had an understanding that the resurrection was something that was going to happen, but it was so far into the distance, it was irrelevant. It wasn't, you didn't really think of much too, too much about it. It was one of those things that, it's so far off into the distance, um, we don't even know much about it. All we say <coughs> is that we know one day we're going to rise again. That was, their, that, was, that was how they kind of knew what the resurrection was, something that was in the future. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, what he's saying is that this far off event in the future, when people are going to be raised from the dead... Actually, this is being brought into the here and to the now, and I am the embodiment of that resurrection. You know, Jesus... Um, no, say something else there. The Bible says um, that we're dead in sin. This is what, this is what the, Bible, the Bible says, that we're dead in, 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 in our sin. That we that spiritually, before we become Christians, before we before we know God, spiritually we're we're yeah, we're dead. We're helpless, we're powerless to do anything about it. But then in the same passage where um, it says that we're dead in, in our sin, it also says that through God's love and his rich mercy, we've been made alive with Christ. So in Jesus. There is a resurrection, not just for the people that Jesus was talking to there, but we can know something of what it is to be resurrected and to be brought alive. You know, for, you know, for Christians, and we talk about this a lot at the Easter, 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 Easter story, that without the resurrection, this is just pointless. We may as well go shopping or go watch a football match. Or do something else that you enjoy. If Jesus isn't alive and well, all this is just a waste of time. People spending their time in preparing the, the meeting. People leading us in worship. People spending time studying the Bible. People working the PA. People looking after the children. It's all useless and pointless and useless if Jesus isn't alive. But the good news is is that Jesus is alive and he's well. And that is, that, is the, that is kind of the linchpin that Christianity rests on. If he isn't alive, then the Bible says that we're the most pitiful people in the whole world. But if Jesus is alive, we have the most hope in the whole of the world. Jesus is the resurrection. The Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. That means that we are, we are raised with, with Christ, not sometime in the future, but we're raised with Christ in this life. What does that mean then? We're raised in this life to Christ. It means that we can have a new life. We can be raised from our dead, from being dead in our sins. We can be raised in this life to a life that is completely different to what it was before we knew God and knew him as a father and became uh, and were born, were born, were born again. A demonstration that um, that Jesus gave as a helpful way to to show this is through baptism. 
you know, over at, at, um, at New Day, and I will make a point of this because I think it's really important, at the, the New Day, uh, which is the youth event over in Norwich that we went to, um, I was asking a few of the young people that I knew were Christians, have you been baptised? Uh, a lot of people said yes, I had, in a, I don't know, in a fish tank or um, some, some puddle, a pool somewhere. Um, but actually there was a few young people, and I won't look at them because they know who they are, and I won't point them out. There was a few of our young, our young people who are not baptised. And I want to encourage them, I'm not going to look at them, but I want to encourage them to consider that they should be baptised. You see, what baptism does, it demonstrates what, what happens to us. See, if you've ever been to a baptism, you would have seen somebody in a, in a big, like a big bath, and then somebody would put them under the water. And that's a demonstration that they are dying to their old self. But they're, 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 they're then saying, look, my old life, my own, how I wanted to live before, I'm dying to that. I know that it wasn't good. I'm dying to my old self. When they're under the water, they're saying, I'm burying it. I'm leaving it in the past. But then we raise them up from the water, which is a signif- to signify that actually I'm being raised again to lead a new life following God. And this is a demonstration of that. You see, there is a new life that we can encounter now. So I just want to encourage anybody, if you, are, if you love Jesus, if you follow Jesus, but you haven't been baptised, I encourage you to do it. It's something that Jesus talks about. It's something that he, he, he says it's part of your, of your witness and your, and your testimony. That is just a demonstration. There's nothing religious or there's nothing magical about it, but it's something very clear of, no, I'm, I'm showing, I'm going to demonstrate what has happened to me. I'm demonstrating I've died to my old self and I'm being raised to the new, the new, the new life. You see, the, so the resurrection isn't just something for the future, but Jesus is saying that there is, the future is being brought into the here and now so that we can taste heaven in this life. Which leads us on to the next part of what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. A bit of Greek for you now. I know you like a bit of Greek. So the word for life, there's, there's, three, there's three words um, in the original Greek for life. The first is bios, um, which is the physical part of us. That's our bodies. That's food and stuff which sustains us and keeps us alive. Then um, there's the next one, which I won't pronounce, but that's probably where we get our word psyche from. Um, that's kind of who, who you are. That's your, your, your personality. Um, that's your character, emotions. That's kind of what, what makes up you being, being, being you. And then there's a third one, which is Zoe, which is absolute life. That's the that's kind of the best way to describe it, and we'll kind of um, unpack it. Absolute life, Zoe life, absolute life, is the life that God created us or created mankind originally for. You see, when God made mankind, God made mankind perfect. There was this perfect relationship between God and, and man, Adam, Adam, Adam and Eve. And the Bible says that they used to walk together in the Garden of Eden. They, they used to spend time in this perfect relationship 
unspoilt, untainted. There was no guilt. There was no shame. There was this perfect relationship between God and man. But then we know the story that sin came in and separated this relationship, tore this relationship apart. And that's how, for many years, mankind was. It was kind of, God was was there, but mankind was still struggling to know God and was in sin and was stumbling and falling. Jesus is saying, I am the life. He's saying, I have come to restore this relationship once again that was perfect with the Father God. Jesus came to restore what once was broken and damaged and spoiled. Jesus said, look, I've come to bring this Zoe life. This absolute life, this perfect life that God created you for, I've come. It's, it's in me. Jesus had this perfect relationship with the Father. And Jesus said, look, it's in me. So through me, you can have it too. You know, for years, centuries, millennia, people, mankind, have always been trying to find things to fill the gap in their lives, haven't they? People have tried all sorts of things to fill um, a void, whether it's, what is the point of this life? And people would spend the whole lives trying to find out what the reason for this, for this life is. Maybe if I, if I work harder, I'll be more fulfilled in the, in the job. Maybe if I have a bigger family, I'll be happier. Maybe if I have more more friends, I'll be happier. Maybe if I have things which make my life easy, then I won't have to worry about things so much. And there's always something else, isn't there? There's always more that we're, that we're striving for. Now, I think a, 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 an example of, of this um, has recently been shown on, on, a, on a television series called Love Island. Put it out there. Again, if you don't know what, what Love, Love Island is, I don't blame you. I understand it. I understand. It is kind of a... Um... It's one of those reality TV programs when they take a whole bunch of perfectly formed men and perfectly formed women and put them in a... Um, a villa in Spain together, and they pair them up, and then as the weeks as the weeks go on, uh, they get voted out until there is a couple that is the winner, and they get I think is it fifty thousand pound I think they get um, or something like that. Um, but it's the, it's it's a program again. I, I don't I don't watch it. My girls like it. Um, I didn't say I've, I've not said whether I approve it or not. Um, but anything reality TV, I kind of find a bit annoying. Um, but in, in the, the Love Island, in the recent series, there was, there was two characters that when they, when they got into the, into the villa together, um, their names were um, Adam and Rosie. And when they were put into, into the villa together, they kind of were put together as a bit of a couple. And so they, they, they kind of um, had physical time together, if that's the... <laughs> If that is sort of PC way to, to put it, and um, anyway, after after a time, there was something else. So they, they used to like put new people in to try and stir stir, stir things up, and there was somebody else uh, that was put into the into the house, and Adam's head was turned, 
It's just, I think it's a coincidence that his name was Adam because Adam's original head was turned by sin, wasn't it? So anyway, I won't go there. So this, this guy, Adam, who had this kind of relationship with, um, with, with, with Rosie, his head was turned to another young, young lady. And so Adam and Rosie's relationship kind of broke, uh, broke down as he went off looking. And, and apparently he did this on, on more than one occasion where he would kind of be um, distracted by another female in the, the house. And Rosie said something to, to Adam, which I think just sums up man's need for something else. She said to him, says, you're not going to get something real if you're always looking for more. It's a very profound thing for her to say. At, at the time, she was talking about the relationship. If you're always looking for another girl, something different, more excitement, you're never actually going to get anything real at all if you're always looking. And I think that is just a perfectly illustrates our lives at times that actually we think, if I can just get that, if I can just get that, if I can just get that, but that fulfillment is, just seems to be two or three steps out of our reach. Jesus is saying, I am the life. What you're looking for in fulfillment, in purpose, in this life, it's in me. It's in him. It's in Jesus. You know, when Jesus was, um, was, um, was praying for his disciples, he said, now this is eternal life. This is what Zoe life is all about. This is what this ultimate life is all about, that they may know you the only true God. You see, being a Christian, for me, isn't about doing stuff, about keeping rules. It's not about trying my best to make sure I'm a good boy today. It's not about trying to treat other people as best that I can, even though Jesus said these are good things to do. You know, for me, and I know for many people here, the thing about being a Christian is about knowing God as a perfect father. That is what Zoe life is all about. It's about knowing God as a wonderful, perfect, unconditionally loving, patient father. You know, Vicky prayed it earlier. He's perfect. He's a, he's, he's a daddy. You know, the Bible calls uh, God the Father, Abba. That's kind of the words. You know, if, you, if a child says to their, 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 their dad, daddy, it's, it's, not, it's not some distant, you're my father. Oh, you're my daddy. And this is how we can call our father God. We can call him daddy. We can call him Abba. And this is what Zoe life is, is really about. This is the life that Jesus is talking about there is more to this life than what you're striving for. And I have come to raise you, to resurrect you, to bring you new life into this Zoe life. That's what Jesus said. And that's what Jesus continues to offer us today. There is more to the Father our Heavenly Father, than we know. Even if you've been a Christian for many, many years, there is more to know of the Father. 
There is more to engage with him about. There is more to experience with your father about. But also, you may be sitting here saying, actually, I don't know God as a father. I've always known God as some man in a big beard that sits on a cloud covered by angels that play harps. That's my idea of God if I believe in God at all. I want to encourage you today. Why don't you just reach out to him? You may not even know what you're reaching out for, but God knows. Yeah, we're, we're, we're humans, we're fickle, we have failings. And even just by saying, God, if you're there, Father, if you're there, he hears that. And he will rush to you in that. He is a good father. And in a moment, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to sing about the good father. And I want to invite everybody, whoever, this morning to respond to God as a, as a father. Maybe today you're thinking, I don't really know God. But actually, I'd quite like to know him if he's a good father. You can today. Right here, right now, you can encounter God as a loving father. Because this is what Jesus brings for us. This is what Jesus has on offer for us.